you know what, Jen? I don't think I've ever looked better in my life. I think I'm I'm at the peak of my physical prowess. I think you are. At the moment. And yeah. I would love to share that with people. I'd love people to be able to see me in the flesh. Just it's to... selfish to keep this. <laughs> it is. This amount of radiance needs to be shared. So I thought what I would do is invite people along to see me in real life. To be in the same room at the Museum of Comedy. At the Museum of Comedy, because comedy is what I do <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and you belong in a museum. No, oh, no. No, no, no. It was How rude. My self-esteem had climbed and now it's back down on the floor. But no, I um, love the Museum of Comedy and I'm going to go there and I'm going to take my raw magnetism with me uh, on Wednesday the 24th of April. Can I come too? You can. Just try not to sort of detract from my glow, you know. Okay. Uh, we are going to have the magnificent Jenny Ryan, a magnificent guest, Ooh. TBA. Wednesday the 24th of April, put it in your diaries, bring your sunglasses because I am shining. Yeah, get your tickets now. The link is in our social media or from the music. Museum of Comedy website. Oh, please do come. Jen's all right as well. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's your name? Jenny Ryan. Correct. What's my name? Lucy Porter. Correct. What are we doing? We're making a podcast all about quizzing. Correct. What's it called? Fingers on Buzzers. Correct. Hello and welcome to another edition of Fingers on Buzzers. Hey. I thought I sound cheery. <laughs> yeah, I was being your little audience there and it was really I know, unsuccessful. It was lovely. Yeah, that was nice. I thought we, we, you know, well, I am cheery because yeah. it's another, it's a sort of, it's a podcast mashup again because our guest is a host of, well, various podcasts over the years and times, but um, very successful podcaster, also an author, also a journalist, also a comedian, and also my unofficial life coach. I am speaking, of course, of the one and only Viv Groskop. Hello, Viv. Hello. Hello. <laughs> you owe me so much money in life coaching. <laughs> well, you know, when I say unofficial life coach, I think unofficial equals unpaid. Um, yeah, and that's I, I would second that. But, you know, <laughs> unpaid so far. I you know, know. I, I'm totting it up, Lucy. But the measure of a good life coach and somebody who gives good life advice and lots of the podcasting that I do is basically asking people for life advice it's whether it yields fruit 
So I'm just waiting for it to yield a large amount of fruit for you <laughs> and then I will call in my share. You will be the first. Well, to be fair, Amanda and Jenny also are owed any fruit that I have. Basically, I'm going to be 5% of out. your fruit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And my yield at the moment is very poor. It's like my real life fruit yield. We planted some strawberry uh, plants at the beginning of lockdown and we've had two strawberries. <gasps> Oh, my goodness. Is that because it's foxes? You know foxes eat strawberries. They're weirdos. Oh, well, and they one of them bit my cat and they poo everywhere, so, you know. <laughs> Go on, That's foxes. That's a lifestyle that oh, I aspire God, to. Oh, the vixen, you see. We've got a fox in our midst. Don't, she doesn't like sloths. Sloths. No, no not at all. But, but, I, I, but I've never seen an actual fox and a sloth in the same room, so I think a fox would definitely bite a sloth. Yeah. If they'll, if they'll eat strawberries, they can climb up to, you know, a, a bush, which would be mm-hmm. probably where the sloth would be hanging out, just doing mm-hmm. nothing. Lazy. Let's not go down this <laughs> blind alley again. We I'm got sorry, stuck Dave. there last last week. We got stuck <laughs> yeah. down the sloth alley and yeah, we realised it's very... Stuck down sloth alley again. <laughs> I think we're alienating a lot of listeners with our anti-sloth uh, chat. But yeah. So now, Viv, your podcast, How to Own the Room, is inspirational. And uh, you have interviewed uh, basically all the best women, including Hillary Clinton, which and Chelsea. not every not everybody thinks that Hillary Hillary Clinton is the best woman. Well, but, but I I think she is a great woman. So we were very pleased to have her on the podcast. And you'd struggle to find a more sort of interesting person in terms of. So the premise of your podcast is it's about women speaking in public and commanding attention which is something we haven't traditionally been encouraged to do absolutely Um, and in terms of quizzing obviously because that's what we're talking about we often have discussed the fact that women are not as involved in quizzing or haven't traditionally been and i was interested that's so interesting yeah you're so right about that now and you will be able to help us dig down into that why do you think women are is it because we're insecure about showing our knowledge because we're meant to play dumb or are we perfectionists who don't like to get things wrong? What would you... Well, I think, think all of these things in some tiny way would play into this. You know, it's a bit like when people go to the old chestnut that uh, you won't like to hear about this, Lucy. Nobody does. You know, why aren't there more women in comedy? Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, the numbers are changing and this it's not so much a truism anymore. But I suspect that the quizzing is a bit like comedy in many other industries, like politics is one, um, the law is another. There are so many industries where this plays out. You've got not as many opportunities for women and the fact that lots of women will count them out of it count themselves out of it and the fact that it's actually a very difficult thing to get into anyway (laughs) and so you have to be a certain kind of personality type to want to do it in the first place so I think that all of these things are true but no one of them is particularly true so there's probably like 200 different variables that mean you know that that's why Bob Holness was not Betty Holness, um, you know, which is what anybody would have wanted, surely. Uh, it's very interesting, though, because I know I grew up absolutely obsessed with quizzing. And, and I it's funny thinking back now because I don't watch so much so many quizzes now. I Not because I don't want to. I just don't seem to have time. I don't watch very much television. I tend to watch like Netflix kind of when I want to watch something, I watch it. And most quizzing is you watch it when it's on. Mm-hmm. 
And but when I was when I was growing up, I was obsessed with the quizmaster and the power of that person and their ability to be able to play the crowd and play the contestants. And it's like a very sort of light form of stand up, isn't it? Really, it's like yeah. Terry Wogan does stand up on Blankety Blank, like quite bad, but actually so bad it's good. <laughs> and I loved that. And it's strange now that I never thought, why are they? Why are there no women? in the 70s and the 80s amongst yeah. the quiz masters but there just weren't and you just took it for granted that that was normal well and even now i mean it's interesting that you know the big female quiz host obviously ann robinson mm-hmm. the weakest link i mean what was that about goodbye <laughs> <laughs> you are the weakest link goodbye. goodbye well you see the only time women often get to i mean it's really interesting as well because you see the same thing in stand-up like around the same time in order to be really really successful you have to be someone like Jane Rivers so you have to be a really caricatured um, I was going to say Machiavellian but that's like probably too strong a word but a very grotesque kind of big persona that isn't anything like a real woman in inverted commas that is like a pantomime character Mm -hmm. you know Anne Robinson played a pantomime character that's actually more like the way you know Lily Savage did blankety blank you know it's a very kind of vaudeville idea Mm -hmm. whereas when men do the quizzing role in the sort of 70s 80s 90s mold it's very much like hey guys i'm just like a really suave person that you would meet down the pub and we wouldn't have a pint (laughs) we might have something like uh you know a flavored cider just to try it out (laughs) you know it's like that kind of not a blokey bloke but still a companionable bloke like a sort of authoritative your favourite you know, like, teacher, the teacher who might take exactly. you for a pint one lunchtime when you're in lower six, like yeah, yes, yeah, and yeah. You look up to want, them, but yeah, also... they sort of want you want to hate them, but you can't. There's something about them that you like. Well, if you were a, you know, having talked to lots and lots of women about what it takes to command a room to have sort of presence. What would you say if if I say wanted to host my own quiz show? Would there be anything that you've picked up in the course of talking to other women about public speaking that might be useful to you? I think you should should host a quiz show, Lucy. I mean, you do. You host this one. (laughs) Um, But you should be hosting uh, Pointless or something like that. I mean, I, I just think that there's a sea change happening now and our and what this is what we try to get into on the podcast and in some ways I'm trying to prove it with the podcast is that the nature of what how we identify power authority um high status the person who's in charge crowd control you know the nature of that is really changing radically at the moment it has been for the last five to ten years you know michelle obama's a great example of that mm-hmm. greta thunberg malala there are loads of examples of people who don't really fit the profile of someone who should be able to command attention yeah. and i think that slowly people's perception is changing and it's quite, you know, simplistic to say, oh, you know, if it's... a, I mean, this comes up, actually, one of our uh, recent guests is Kylie Reid, the novelist. She wrote this um, novel called Such a Fun Age, which mm-hmm. is about race and class. It's set in New York. And there's a moment where the black babysitter is looking after a sort of three- or four-year-old child, white child, in a shop. And she gets stopped by the security guard who says, what are you doing with this child? 
and she starts to explain like you know this I'm the babysitter you know I've worked for this family for a long time and he just doesn't believe her and he thinks that she's doing something wrong and she says don't worry I'm going to call a white man a white middle-aged man and a white middle-aged man arrives and he sorts everything out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's a truth in that you know it's a kind of quite a very unnuanced way of saying that and she has been the novelist has been slightly attacked um, for portraying that but I think we all see the truth of that Mm. yeah and it's not just to do with race it's also to do with class it's to do with accent it can be to do with sort of how good looking you are or how tall or strong you look but I think that that very traditional idea of oh I must listen to this person they seem to be important um, that's totally breaking down now well yeah like class is another really interesting one isn't it because when we had Alan Connor the lovely Alan Connor on our podcast he said that people didn't trust female quiz show hosts because they wanted to think that the quiz master knew the answer and they didn't believe that women would know the answer to the questions but I think also in terms of class it's always been it's got to be someone who's slightly well spoken who you know may have an Oxbridge education yeah it's ridiculous isn't it Mm. I mean it's so interesting these things are very deeply ingrained in us and I was really surprised when I started doing how to own the room podcast because I thought that people like Mary Beard Mary Portas um Professor Margaret Macmillan, who's a wreath lecture speaker, uh, people who are very experienced in public speaking and who are very kind of no nonsense and don't go in for bluster and outrage and whatever the latest fad is. They're very no nonsense people. I thought that when I asked women like that, what do you think about these stereotypes? How do you think people respond to female speakers? What's going on with all of that stuff? Tried to get into that. I thought, and Hillary Clinton as well, actually, when I asked her, I thought they would say, Viv, don't be so ridiculous. There's no difference between men and women. Um, we shouldn't even talk about these things. We should be over this. But nobody has said that on the entire podcast in mm. over 60 interviews, mm. not even Hillary Clinton. Mm. I was convinced she would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, they all said... Yes, these prejudices are utterly ridiculous, but I have walked on stage and felt them myself immediately and known that I need to do something about it. Wow. And that's, you know, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we all know that in reality, it's completely ridiculous. And that if you have, you know, whatever accent you have, you might have gone to Oxbridge or some other amazing university and be super, super brainiac, Mm -hmm. as my children call it. Or also that people who've been to Oxbridge aren't necessarily, you know... It's funny that, isn't it? Some of, them, some of them are a bit untalented, aren't they, Lucy? Some of them. <laughs> We're not referring to anyone in particular here, no. we should say, or any class of people who might currently be running the country. But it is, um, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it is fascinating as well, just thinking about the way that authority and that sort of sense of being in charge has been slightly eroded lately or that trust in all kinds of institutions seems to be collapsing before our eyes doesn't it yeah I think there's a lot of different conflicting factors at play that are to do with this wave of the nature of power changing and they're very very contradictory so on the one hand you've got everybody saying oh wow look at Greta Thunberg she's amazing you know she's 16 she's speaking in not her native language she's got Asperger's syndrome Uh, she's not charismatic she's not a natural performer and everybody wants to listen to her 
Um, you know, I've just heard the other day that Malala, who's another kind of not charismatic, um, not like a fast or engaging speaker, but, you know, fantastic speaker, but she doesn't do it in some kind of, hello, this is a debating society kind of way. <laughs> you know, she does it in her own vibe. She apparently, uh, her fee for doing a Zoom speech is two hundred thousand pounds good for her yeah good for her so there's that trend of let's hear from new people let's hear voices that we've never heard before let's see the freshness of this new power and let's share lots of clips of jacinda ardern being amazing in the new zealand parliament holding her baby like all of this but at the same time if you look at who people are voting for in certain western democracies (laughs) then they're voting for a a kind of character of power that is more like something out of the 18th century or the 19th century mm. than out than comes from now mm. so it's very clear that not everybody feels the same way about this and that not everybody perceives this new kind of power in a positive light some people want to go back to I almost think that if somebody came along dressed in a toga and they sort of changed their name to Plato and said, I have many truths that I wish to bequeath upon you. Pray listen. Come to the square. I have constructed a square with some Roman columns. I don't know. They wouldn't have Roman columns because he's Greek. But anyway, whatever. Um, I often think, yeah, that person would do really, really well. Well, I mean, actually, so the voice you were doing is not a million miles away from our own current prime minister. So, well, this is know. the thing. You know, there's a very, lot of really interesting, weird currents mm. that I think are reflective of the fact that there's a lot of uncertainty around at the mm. moment. And when there's uncertainty, people go for extremes. Yeah. And they go for things that are quite unpredictable. And I personally find that really hopeful and exciting because I think it's a really interesting time. But, yeah, it, there's some negatives to it, too. Well, it is an interesting time, and that's all very interesting, but I'm now going to take things to a much more superficial level and ask you, (laughs) Groskop, if you had to pick uh, any of the women that you've interviewed to be on your pub quiz team, who would you pick and why? Oh, how many people can I have? Oh, you can have as many as you like, really. I mean, Uh, Well, uh, definitely first person I'd choose would be Sarah Hurwitz, who is Michelle Obama's speechwriter. Oh, my God, that was an amazing podcast. She is the most inspirational speaker I've heard for a very long time. Yeah, she's extraordinary. And she has the the brain the size of a planet. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that she doesn't know. And she is also like the best people, like your good selves, she's good company you know she because in a pub quiz team you want a brainiac Mm -hmm. but you don't want them to be annoying with it that can that can be a very high price to pay for a whole evening (laughs) how much do you want to win (laughs) exactly you you know you don't you don't want somebody who's going to get all the answers right but make you feel like you hadn't got you wish you hadn't gone in the first place so definitely sarah Hurwitz. um would I choose Mary Beard? Yes, yes. Why not? Of course. Why not? It would have to be Mary Beard. Although I do think that she would say this herself, that her... I think Sarah Hurwitz would have a very good general knowledge. Mary Beard would be very strong, obviously, in history and classics. She, she would have that covered. Um, who would I have to cover the math side of things? Because I certainly can't. I don't know who I... More importantly, who's going to do your soap operas? Oh, that I can do that. There you go. That's fine. So, I think I you, you're getting that. a dream team there already. <laughs> my favorite, yeah. one of my favorite vid facts is that she has two children called Jack and Vera. <laughs> That's correct. The Duckworths. I yeah. love it. Yeah, 
That's right. They weren't directly named after the Duckworths, but I had an eye on that idea. Oh, that's It was more to do with, I wanted children with four letters in their name. Easy to spell at the start of life. Yeah, Make them feel good about themselves, yeah. Good good thinking. You don't want to be called Vivienne, is is what it is, Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) With a a difficult surname as well, I mean, you know. Exactly. You've had it all going on, haven't you? Yeah, didn't want any spelling for my children. (laughs) Yeah, so so I'd choose Sarah Howitt's Mary Beard. I'd choose Mary Portas because she's pretty good at maths, actually. She knows about money, she knows about maths. She's jolly good company. And let's let's have Nigella Lawson because she's easy on the eye. Oh, <laughs> and such a delight that, and she'd also possibly bring snacks. You could sneak. Oh some my god, of her I hope so. Yeah, I've butter. just re- sorry. I have just remembered who has to eclipse all of these people okay. out of my podcast guests. Anne Marie Imafidon. Oh, how could I forget her? She's in series one. She's about uh, 28 or 29 now. But when she was nine, she became the youngest ever person to get a maths GCSE. She wow. got a master's in maths at the age of 18. Okay. And she is, you know, she's a gene, total yeah. maths genius. She's so. on the team. She's, she's made the team. She's made the cup. She's yeah. made the team, yeah. Fantastic. Right, well, unfortunately tonight, Viv, you don't have any of those people with you. You are on your own and about to be quizzed by Jenny and I. Um, and we've themed uh, these questions not on your How to Own the Room podcast or even your other wonderful book, Lift As You Climb, which is about empowering other women, um, all good stuff. We have gone to your um, your literary side. So Viv is the author of a book called The Anna Karenina Fix, which uh, teaches us lessons from Russian literature to apply to life. And that's the scene we are going to mine for your questions tonight. So, Jenny, I oh think God, you're going to Oh, God, this is going to be so... I'm going to get so upset because I'm going to get things wrong and I'm not going to like it. I, I wouldn't worry about it. We've, we've, gone, we've gone very, very Russian history heavy on these. This so, is going to be all about Rasputin's penis, yeah, right? I hope so. That's, that's round two. It's all <laughs> Rasputin penis. Yes, so d- I would not get too upset about getting any of these wrong because we're all learning and some of these are new to me. Oh. <laughs> Including number one. Question number one. Which country declared independence from Russia on the 6th of December 1917? Oh. What a, that's a fantastic question. It what is. a great quiz question. This, I believe See, they still celebrate be... it as a as a holiday. This would be uh, be the moment where everybody on the team turns to me. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, it's like I hate that. Every time it's like in in what novel did Tolstoy all eyes on live? Um yeah, so I'm going to say Finland. <gasps> you are yes! absolutely correct. Wow. It's very it's a very strong start. She's been no, hiding I... a light under a bushel in, in quiz terms. The rest of the team would be turning to you now. Mary oh, Beard yeah. would be looking at you with awe, respect. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Beard's and just got, got, she's got off to the bar. She's got, getting the drinks <laughs> in. She's not needed for the rest of this round. Um, question number two, Viv, is which Russian word means fortress inside a city? Which Russian word? Oh, yes, um, Kremlin. Lovely. Yeah. No Kremlin. Kremlin in Russian. Kremlin. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would fingers on buzzers be in Russian, Viv? I mean, put <laughs> you on the spot. Just fingers will be fine. Oh, fingers. Fingers is palty. 
mm-hmm. palzi. So one finger is palets and plural is palzi. How do you say buzzer? <laughs> oh, it's probably um, zvanochka. That means like a ringer or a buzzer. Yeah, Ooh. so it'd be palzi na zvanochkach. Lovely. I think well, we shall yeah. rename the podcast for one weekend. Yeah, palzi na zvanochkach. Gatove. That's a new franchise for us. Gatove. <laughs> <laughs> What was the Russian quiz show, Jen, that we were talking about with the oh, No Such yeah. Thing as a Fish? And it sounded amazing. Yes. And I really wanted to watch it, but it's only in Russian. There's it's, no dub. It's called, <laughs> it's called uh, well, the the US remake was called Million Dollar Mind Game. I can't remember what it was originally called yeah. in Russian, but that James Harkin put us onto that one. Um, but I might invite you round, Viv, yes, to watch it. And you and can translate yeah, for us. I love that. That sounds like great fun. It for does. me, <laughs> not for anyone else. So it, you, you're two for two so far, Viv. You are. Let's let's just give up now. You can't declare just yet. Um, let's have this question: Which colour is at the top of the Russian tricolour flag? Oh no! You've got a one in three. <laughs> yeah, um, white. You are correct. Oh, oh, thank goodness. Honestly, oh. you don't know how stressful this is. <laughs> when I, I went when I went to Russia last year, I, the my book, The Anna Karenina Fix, which is called Samorazvitya Patalstormu, Self Help Tolstoy Style. Nice. Ah, nice, nice. In in Russian. That was published in Russia and I had to go and do this like four day tour of lots of book festivals and T V and interviews. And I did one interview where they just sat and did what they call blitz vapros, blitz questions, like quick fire. Yes. Blitz vapros. And their blitz vapros was basically things like, chai coffee, tea or coffee, vodka ili gin, vodka or gin. <laughs> and then it went on and on and on and on, faster and faster and faster. And then it got to Russia ili Ukraina, Russia or Ukraine. Oh, no. And I was just like, seriously, that's like asking me, do you want to go home again? Or do you want to live in a prison for the rest of your life? Uh, yeah, Putin or prison. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I'm starting, I'm starting to get a vibe of that now. Well, you, but you're staying, you know, you're not being <laughs> deported or indeed executed. Um, the next question from me will be: uh, What does the word What does the word Bolshevik mean? It means uh, belonging to the majority. Oh, yes, mate. <sighs> Bolshevik. Oh my God! This and is... the opposite is Menshevik, which means belonging to the minority. Mm. And it's so related to the like the Bolshoi ballet means the big, because majority is big. So Bolshoi, big, Bolshevik, the big ones. Mm. She's. I mean, I think you're doing better than any guest we've had. Yeah. In our That's, lockdown podcast. This right? is. Well, this is. I'm not going to take that as a compliment. <laughs> but, but yeah. yeah, we have had some strange people. And uh, however, <laughs> let's see if you can keep it going. I've got faith in you, Viv. Давай, Jenny, you should Come on, Jenny. Another question. <laughs> in the former Soviet Union, what was GUM? Ah, GUM, mm? um, Generalny Universalny Magazine, mm. the General Universal Store. Very nice. That was extra information. So it's, yeah, it's the big, um, the big department store on Red Square, and it has a little cu- a cousin that is called Tsum. 
So you have Goom oh. and Tsum. <laughs> and Goom is Generalny Universalny Magazine. And Tsum is Centralny Universalny Magazine. So it's like Tesco it's, Extra and Tesco Metro. It's slightly more central. <laughs> slightly more central. The, um, I did go to the Goom in 1991. Oh. And it was how, extraordinary. Oh, you know, one of those extraordinary things of... of uh, it was exactly what people said it would be, that it was just soap. Is, you get soap, there's soap, and there's and there's very little of anything, and everything is just one kind. And I remember thinking, oh, God, you know, this is so interesting that there's sort of so little on the shelves and there's so little frills. And then cut to me now going around Lidl in <laughs> 2020 and going, this is brilliant, I love this, there's no choice, you just get what you're given. <laughs> so there's a lesson for us all about capitalism. Yeah. It's the ideal preparation for the pandemic, Soviet shopping. (laughs) Especially, you know, queuing outside. Somebody has to take your place in the queue if you need to go and do something else. People used to have be professional queuers Mm -hmm. because they would just go around from queue to queue and you would pay them to keep your place for half an hour. Well, when Britain's economy completely collapses, we can send ourselves off to the globe to be professional queuers because it's in our DNA. So yes, I will go and be a professional cure in America, or I don't care. Just the number one export. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be Broadway musicals and <laughs> cures. <laughs> well, you've done amazingly, Viv. There's one more question, and I'm very confident that you will get this because uh, it's the only one that I would have got, apart from Goom, actually. Uh, which ingredients make up a black Russian cocktail? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Black Russian. Black oh my Russian. God, so you see, this is going to stump me. Because well, it's, I a, would... it's basically, it's a white Russian minus something. So if you know what a white Russian right. is, it's... It's that without. So um, it's going to be. I'm just thinking. Does it have coffee in it? Mm. Say the question again. What are the ingredients? Which ingredients in? yeah. make up a black Russian? A sort of classic black Russian. I'm sure there are variations. So black coffee and vodka. Well, it's a coffee liqueur and vodka. But yeah, I think we'll let you have. Oh, that Kahlua, Kahlua and yeah, vodka. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, but you I'm... see, this is not a Russian question. No. Because Kahlua, there ain't no Kahlua in <laughs> Russia. <laughs> That's there's a lot sure. of vodka, though. Yeah, there's a lot of vodka. Yeah. Yeah. I think I should get a half for that. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think I'd probably give you a full point. But, I mean, that was a stunning, stunning display of knowledge. And now it falls to you to quiz us. And I'm slightly worried, Jenny. I don't know about you. Oh, I don't think we can live up to to these high standards already set. Right. So the set of questions that I have for you is related to my twin interest in another country, which is France. Because at university, I studied French and Russian. And I have wanted in the course of my life to be both French and Russian. Mm -hmm. My first name is really Vivienne. Mm-hmm. And my second name is Groskop, which I thought was Russian. It's not. I'm just Jewish, and it means fathead. Um, but uh, that's that's read the book to hear more of that kind of neurosis. Um, but my latest book is called Au Revoir Tristesse: Lessons in Happiness from French Literature. So these questions are inspired by Au Revoir Tristesse. See, I did get so, very obsessed with being French and loved Bonjour Tristesse as well. That was, you know, mm. I very much really smoked to be French and, <laughs> you know all of that that's, stuff that's the best thing about trying to be French is all that you have to do is really smoke and look sad yeah 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 and look grumpy really mm. yeah see I, I did it, I did uh, nailing it I took A-level French which I did really well in 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 the the comprehension the reading of the literature the writing of it my accent does not go with French Unfortunately, <laughs> that's where it all fell apart. <laughs> if French people Mais do not Jenny, understand me. <laughs> Jenny, tu ne peux pas dire ça et, et ne dis rien là-dessus. Il faut, il faut la preuve. We need to hear it. Uh, mm. Mais non. <laughs> it's so long. It's so long. No, it's, it's very... very nice. it's, uh, it was heartbreaking to me, but really all I should have just done was take up smoking. Yeah, yeah, you should have just peered out of windows in, mm. at the at the rain in black and white. Yeah. But, and my language in all languages is now so polluted because I've spent too much time in Russia and I really, really killed myself to learn Russian properly. And now uh, I speak. I I studied at school uh, French, Spanish, and German. And now when I speak any of those languages or any other time I try to pretend that I can speak Italian, which I always do, I just kind of speak <laughs> Spanish, but say spaghetti a lot and, and Portuguese, but say pasta de nata. Um, and all of my other languages sound like a Russian person. So whenever I, I remember trying to speak Spanish to somebody, they just couldn't stop laughing because it was like, you know, a British person speaking Spanish in a Russian accent. What's that about? So very weird. Anyway, let's crack on with these questions. So Jenny, the first question okay. is for you. After Paris, which is France's second largest city? Ooh. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Um, it's geography. This is terrible. Um, is it Marseille? Correct! Hey! Deux points! <laughs> Félicitations! Lucy. Oui. In which year oui. did the last execution by guillotine mm. take place? Oh, now... Um, Oh, this is a good question, isn't it? It's going to be surprisingly recent, I think. I think it's going to be in... It's almost like you've done quizzes before. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? It's like... Uh, it's always... Yeah, tw- it'd be 20th century, I reckon. I reckon there'll have been a guillotine 
a rusty old guillotine lurking about <laughs> until it'll be sort of pre. You don't want a rusty be... one. You don't want a rusty one. Oh my god! You know, just have to jam the unjam the mechanism and slam it down a couple of times, like 1906 or something. No, 19. Oh, no. can I let Jenny come in? Yeah, uh, it, uh, it's uh, around about 1975 or something like that. Oh, yeah, I think you should get that. Uh, that's top <gasps> knowledge. It's 1977. What? Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, that might be the year it was like outlawed, and then you know they were carrying on because they hadn't gone yeah. into official. <laughs> that's law. an extraordinary yeah. thing. Isn't it? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah some yeah, some okay, murderer was... I think got the chop. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think you should definitely get that point. So that's later than the last hanging in Britain, isn't it? I yeah. Know, uh, yeah. Jenny. Go on. Um, I, should I ask this question in French? Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. Okay, <laughs> I will ask it in both languages. Okay. Let me see. Uh, quelle couleur sont les boîtes à lettres en France? Ah, je sais in ça. In France, what colour are... Je sais, c'est oui, moi, moi, moi. Je, <laughs> mail, je, mailboxes. Je le, le répond... Euh, <laughs> euh, je pense que je sais le, le mot juste. Euh, oh, you're really getting into it now, Lucy. <laughs> uh, I, I think Jenny, I'm... or do you want to pass it? Uh, what colour are mailboxes in France? Um, jaune. <gasps> yellow. Yellow. Très bien. Is that what you would have guessed, Lucy? Oui. Yeah. <laughs> okay. C'est okay. ça. Absolutely. Okay. See, it's this okay. confidence that I never had in any French pronunciation that's that's what stymied my pro- progress. I could have been in Paris right now. Yeah. Having never heard of a quiz. I've got to say out of the three of us, Jenny looks the most French. Yes. She could be an extra in Amelie. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've got definitely. the hair for it. You've got the glasses. Yeah, yeah. I look like a, some quirky person from a Genet film. I'll I'll accept yes. that. That's fine. Mm. You absolutely do. I just look like Madame Cholet from the Wombles. <laughs> she's an icon. She is an icon. It's oh. true, but she's also a Womble. Right, Lucy, are you ready for your next one? Oui, oui. <laughs> the word négligé oh, oui. is French. <laughs> And suggests that the wearer doesn't do what? I'll oh. repeat the question. Negligé. The word négligé yeah. is French mm. and suggests that the wearer doesn't do what? Gosh, that's a good question. Well, I presume the net is like the negative, like a non-something. So to glige or liger or glige, négligé. Oh, uh, you're making it overly complex. Mm. Well, it sounds like negligent, so it makes it look like they're negligent. They don't put their bins out. They don't, uh, you know, <laughs> they don't care. It's like a they're insouciant. They're uh, oh, they have oh. a certain je ne sais quoi. They <laughs> they have a, a, a no esprit de corps, but a wonderful like joie de vivre. La la. They do like to say oh la la uh, to tout le monde uh, and. Uh, so the word negligé suggests that the wearer doesn't do what? <laughs> doesn't care, doesn't... Uh, doesn't mind. Oh, don't mind if you do. Wash. Don't. This is very close. It's very close. So the original um, <laughs> derivation of the word, it's 
think about the sort of person who would wear a negligee and the thing they wouldn't want to do is housework. Ah, okay, yeah, so yeah, it yeah. kind of means like neglectful woman. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Negligent, negligent woman. Mm. If those are the two choices, doing the ironing or lounging about wearing something <laughs> made of lace, I know what I would I would go for every time. That's that's why you're French. You are <laughs> yeah. French. Whereas you see, these days, these days I do dream about cleaning out the recycling bin. So maybe you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not wearing a negligee, but wearing a onesie. <laughs> yes, the opposite of a onesie, a, a cliché. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Right, so our last question is going to Jenny. And this is one of my favourite words in, in French, the answer to this. What is both a musical instrument and the French word for paperclip? Oh. Um, oh, that's a great question. Yeah, it's like a trumpet or something like that. Trombone. It's a brass. Yes! Yeah, trombone. In trombone. Because oh, it looks like shape. a paperclip. Yes. 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 There Amazing. We go. So, really, I think you got. You really got pretty much five out of five there. Again, I mean, you know... We had a team effort going on. You were on your own, let's be fair. Oh, hang on, I've got one more. So we're on oh. five out of five, and I've got one more. Oh. So this is Lucy for... This is to keep your your 100% record. 100%. Des chiffres et des lettres. Oh, don't... I'll stop you right there. Oh, this is it. right in your wheelhouse. Oh, my... Oh, and I've watched it in, in French, and I love it almost as much in French as I do in English. It's Countdown, Biv. Yeah! That was a home bravo, question. Bravo! <laughs> Absolutely a home question. Les applaudissements! Applaudissements pour toi applaudissements aussi! Pour oui, oui. <laughs> oh, I love, I love doing this in French. I think we should do it the whole so, time. Yes. Yeah, multi, multilingual quizzing. Championne well, de championne. Well, I think, um, and I have to say, it's been a, a very strong showing from all parties so far so the only way this can go is down because uh, <laughs> amanda is now going to come and quiz us all Uh oh and this can be this can be where it all falls apart certainly for me for several reasons mainly because yeah. i'm on the scene but wow that was incredible that was, I mean, I have to say, Viv, you've done uh, incredibly strong showing in both the answering and the asking of questions. Rarely <laughs> well, has anyone it, put as much elan. Into... I can't tell you how horrific it is to have written a book and have a podcast called How to Own the Room. <laughs> it's horrific. It means that everything I do, it has to be real, like, right, let's own this. <laughs> but that's good because yeah. manufactured confidence is still confidence, right? Yeah, yeah. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> but the thing is, I do love a quiz, you know. I love a quiz and I love the subject matter of our quiz questions today. Mm. So there was no manufacturing going on. Well, good. Good, good, good. Um, and if you had to choose one from your book or not from your book, one inspirational piece of French life advice from literature... Uh, do you have anything at the tips of your doigt? Oh. <laughs> People at home won't appreciate the fact that every time Lucy says something in French, there is a gesture that goes with it. Because and that's what the French do, Jenny. Of course. 
Is it on the tip of your long? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of the most appropriate thing for this. Well, the thing I'm trying to get at in the book is that, as with Russian literature as well, actually, that lots of classic French literature is seen as being very gloomy Mm -hmm. and everybody poisons themselves or kills somebody or hangs somebody gets hanged um and you know in russian literature they all kill each other and 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 you know drink themselves to death but my argument is always that there's something magical and hopeful and inspiring about these stories and often about what was happening in the writers lives Mm -hmm. when they were writing these things and for me it's I guess it is a piece of advice, yeah, that comes from Bonjour Tristesse. And it is really not something that she says, that Françoise Sagan says explicitly in the book, but I think it is in there implicitly. And it is that you can access the spirit of your youthful self anytime you want to. Mm-hmm. And you must never forget that. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of the older characters in the book, because the, the book is all about a 17-year-old girl called Cécile, and a lot of the older characters in the book, they are their best selves when they're not being very adult and very grown up, when they're being more joyful and embracing this kind of beautiful summer that they're all having in the south of France. So, yeah, that's the best life ad- advice from French literature is don't be afraid to be your youthful self. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm reliving my French GCSE now, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> bravo la jeunesse. <laughs> bravo la jeunesse, oui. Bravo la jeunesse. Um, et bravo, Amanda. Oh, well, merci. I'm going to stop the French right now because there's no way that I could say any of these questions that I'm about to post you all in any other language. I can barely say them in our own, so let's see how we get on. <laughs> We're going to move on to rooms because we like to theme these questions on the guesting podcast and so I just thought I'd just play it safe and we'd just have general knowledge question on on rooms so here we go some of them are tenuous as usual can we confer yes so what what I'll do is I'll come to you all individually but we very much throw it open to being able to confer together what I would be doing now if we're in a pub is demonstrating to you my technique for showing you an answer without the other teams knowing which is like maybe you have like two different kinds of pen you have a pencil so no one can see it I would have my hand over it. Yes, 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 yes. yes. You've got We're also trying to do the stage whisper, which is always annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's Rasputin. <laughs> yes. So like, yeah, everybody, everybody heard that. Yeah, yeah. Rasputin's cock. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so from Rasputin's cock to 2015 film Room, which depicts a woman being held captive for seven years. Now, who starred in that film? I'm going to go oh, to his question, is it? I say, I know the author. That was going to be my second um, follow-up question to that. So if Ooh, one of you I'm, can maybe guess the um, I know star. Who's in you know, I know who you, was in it, because that's my side of oh, things, Oh, great. Isn't it? Okay, well, I know who wrote it, so... There we go. Okay, Jenny, we, first of all... Do we have to tell you now? Uh, Brie, Brie Larson was, uh, was the... Uh, did she win the Oscar for that? She did, yeah. She won the Oscar yeah. for that, yeah. And then, and then was Captain Jenny. Marvel... Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the author of the book Room is Emma Donoghue. Oh, see, we've got it all covered here. This Who needs Mary Beard and Sarah <laughs> Hurwitz? 
I'm just I'm going to be at the bar with Mary Bean. I'm just going <laughs> to <gonna> carry. <laughs> you two carry on. They'll, they'll be doing shots at the bar. <laughs> we will. Oh, dream. dream night out. Yes. I'm going to come to you next, Lucy, because that was very much um, a partnership between Viv and Jen. So, Lucy, I think you're going to get this one. So the song King of the Road mentions a room to let. How much is that room let for? Rooms to let. It's well, it's cent. It's something cent. I'm gonna. Is it fifty cent or am I thinking of fifty cent? It is fifty cents. Yeah. yeah what okay. a bargain! And what does that room look like? <laughs> oh God, no. Awful. Oh, I mean, yeah. even. I'm a it's a shack. <laughs> no king of the road. Probably is, not have clearance have for that. Are, <laughs> no, are there proclaimers the only um, interpreters of that song? Uh, or is it, it, it is it a proclaimer's years. song? No, 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 no. No, that no. no. <laughs> goes way back to yeah. when rooms were fifty cent. So, okay, uh, it's just that when I feel that once the proclaimers have sung a song, yeah. that becomes the definitive verb. They've stuck their flag in it now. Yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah. So, so Roger plans- Miller was the original one. Love so that was yes. the 50s, was it? 50s, I think you did. That. Even in the 50s, yeah. a room wouldn't be 50 cents, surely. I mean, well, it wasn't a it wasn't a high class room. He was a, he was a gentleman of the road in the song, mm. and he just needed someone to bed down a couple of nights. So it's basically a hostel, I think. Yeah, because he was smoking about. old stogies he'd found. Yeah, I feel like you've put a lot of thought into this. <laughs> I, I, it's one of my favourite things is thinking about you know how really how sad lyrics are sometimes. <laughs> really delving into them. I was terrible at one point. I worked as a, a wedding singer and people would suggest the songs that they wanted me to sing at their wedding ceremony or reception and I would talk them out of about 95% <laughs> of them. Have you actually listened to the lyrics of yes, that one? Do you yes. really want your song to be This Year's Love? This Year's Love? What about next year? Getting wed? Come on. I was, I was dreadful. Didn't get many bookings. So staying with rooms, obviously, in the novel 1984, what did George Orwell name Room 101 after? There was a specific room that he was familiar with. And let's give this one to Viv. I think she, she might. Uh, I, I feel like Lucy's going to know this. I don't know this. She was like, nodding. In a, uh, room well, I 101. Nodding Is sagely. it a hotel room? Is it a hotel room? No. No, I think I'm right in saying it's a room in Broadcasting House because he worked at the BBC... And I think it was an office in... It's probably the room in which they have written some of the shows I've been on. Ah. Uh, <laughs> which have been... Um, I, it, it's BBC-related, isn't it, Amanda? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a BBC conference room, and he'd have to sit through really boring, tedious meetings in there. So, yeah, that was his Room 101. So, oh, yeah. How appropriate. Well done, Lucy. Yeah. I think you're all doing tremendously well. This is kind of one of the highest-scoring episodes that it we've is, ever yeah. had. Yeah. You guys are the dream team. Jenny, let's put a question to you directly now. Talkomatic was a room created by Doug Brown and... And David R. Woolley in 1973. Still had four years left of the guillotine in France. Uh, what, <laughs> what kind of room was it? What kind of room? A oh, talkomatic. Wow. Talkomatic mm. room. Wow. Um, it sounds like like a sound booth or something like that. Yeah. Like, well, I was thinking the first, ch- like the world's first karaoke room. This is Ooh. that's just what I was thinking, but no, talkomatic. So it'd be like the world's what first. What year was it again? Sorry. 1973. Karaoke kind of what special kind of room a a, a, a talking talkomatic um, so it, it would be something that would have been used far later on probably like 
20 odd years later in the mid 90s would be something that would a lot of people would be using but it was developed kind of like first. a chat room just like a chat room oh. Lucy just like an online chat room well done yeah very nice yeah. wow would you like to come and see me in the talkomatic <laughs> Meet me in the talkomatic in 30 minutes. I'm lurking. Do you remember lurkers? Lurking. Lurk- yes. I'm lurking in the talkomatic. Final question. I'm going to give it to you, Viv. I think you're going to get this. Actually, I'm going to take the closest answer. So we'll start with you, Viv, and then you can all have a, uh, a go at which year you think this is. In which year was E.M. Forster's A Room with a View published? Oh, Very good. Very good. Ooh. Well, yeah, my money's on me not getting this. I'm just trying to think what would be a good educated guess. Is it? It's early 20th century, isn't it? Hmm. But is it 1910s or 1920s or is it earlier than that? I mean, I think it because I'm remembering, of course, the Helena Bonham Carter. We're all thinking of Helena Bonham Carter right which now, which looks <laughs> kind of you know 1910s but then yeah it does look maybe like a slightly earlier than that even because hmm. it's, it's not... uh, well it's it's certainly set sort of edwardian times but yes is it is it post is it, is it or, or is it set post-war war? i'd probably go for about 1920 19... I'm, I'm hedging my bets there that's my guess okay 1920 from jen i'm gonna write that down and maybe I'm thinking of Howard's End, but is there a character who was in the war? Maybe I've dreamed that. I don't know that... Well, Reverend Beebe, it's the, the father and son, isn't it, who are... Uh, I don't feel like they're... I feel it's pre-First World War. I don't know. I've got... A, but was it, was it written and then was it set sort set of 10, 20 the, years yeah, earlier? Yeah, That's the right. thing. That's what I worry about. And like the... Yeah, that you they would all have gone to you know impending doom so yeah, yeah but I when know. i think in 1920 or 21 is a good guess well could it even have been published in the 30s well yeah could it have been and it's harking back i don't, i'm gonna go for 1910 i'm gonna go for an earlier lucy 1910 i'm gonna go for 1930 and then we've covered all uh, you really have and lucy's the closest it was 1908 oh wow wow oh. Wowzers. Published in 1908. Mm-hmm. Very Blimey. interesting. Well, it was, it so was definitely Edwardian, as, as we, we established it was Edwardian. I just yeah. didn't trust that it was contemporary Edwardian yeah. literature. Some good hats. Well, there we go. There we go. That's, that's all I've got to say on rooms. Very good. Good room <laughs> questions. Well, I think, and well done, all of us. And what yeah. a lovely collaborative effort that really was as well. It felt it was, so, it was... so nice and warm and friendly. <laughs> like we were all in the same room, literally. We were. Yeah. We're Not a like team. a proper pub quiz. In a proper pub quiz, you've got to have a falling out. Somebody's got to leave the table. <laughs> Someone's got to spill some cider on <laughs> one of the pieces of paper that you're writing notes on. Yeah. Somebody has got to correct my answer to the wrong answer oh, yeah. and then have to see my face mm. when the right answer is right. And then see you outside. <laughs> yeah. that'd, be, that'd be Mary Beard. You and Mary Beard would be scrapping in the car park by now and I'd, just yeah. be, I'd be crying uh, onto Hillary Clinton's shoulder. She's, <laughs> she's turned up, even though you didn't put her on the back team. She's turned Mary up anyway. would have no hair left on her head. <laughs> <laughs> she scrubbed out my answer. Oh, Mary, you've let us down For again. The wrong one. 
well, I mean, to be honest, it's been a wonderful show and I'm so glad that it is happening remotely now because uh, otherwise it would have ended in Mary Beard's tears. So uh, so thank you very much to the gorgeous Viv Groskop. Are you doing your podcast in lockdown, Viv? Are you owning the room? I am, yeah. I've been doing How to Own the Room, um, although initially I was really upset and I didn't want to do it at all because we had recorded, as I'm sure you know you normally do, every single one face to face always because it's all about being in the room and initially I was just like okay this is it I'm not doing it I don't want to do it if I can't look at the person in the eye and then I thought Viv just grow up a little bit and (laughs) move get with the program and we started doing them in lockdown and I actually really enjoy it because it's very intimate Mm. you know you get a very intimate connection with somebody when you're not with them Mm -hmm. actually so it's interesting in a different way so I've been doing that and I've also been doing a new podcast called We Can Rebuild Her which is all about reinvention change coping with crisis and it's really pandemic conversations nice well we're all trying to rebuild aren't we we're all sort of thinking where to next so yeah and it's the the best thing about we can rebuild her obviously it has great guests like martha lane fox and dj dottie charles and amazing fashion designer kemi telford and all loads of fantastic people are on it but the best thing about it is the theme tune it's got a theme tune that i had specially commissioned and it's based on the bionic woman (laughs) so it says um we can rebuild her we can make her better faster stronger and then it's (laughs) on this really like retro it's like a mashup of the Bionic Woman, the six, uh, $60 billion man and Buck Rogers in the 21st oh, wow. century, which is all the stuff that I used to watch in the 70s when I wasn't watching quiz shows. <laughs> and the theme of all of those shows is about reinventing yourself in an uncertain future where you feel barely human. Mm. So I wanted to do something that would conjure up that feeling. Mm, very nice. I think it was a six million dollar man. I mean, not. I'm not. Is it six to, million or sixty billion, billion? Seemed a bit steep for the sentence. <laughs> you know, for sixty billion, you could have got a lot more than Lee Majors. To be quite honest, you could probably have got sixty billion. You could get Tom Cruise. You probably could. <laughs> yeah. In today's money, um, it's been such a gorgeous, glorious pleasure as always. Thank you so much, Viv Groskop. Thank oh, you to thank our, you. Thank you so much, my lovely, and thank you to our gorgeous listeners as always. And that was another episode of. Fingers on buzzers. <laughs> Buzz. Buzzers. Fingers on buzzers starred Lucy Potter and Jenny Ryan and was produced by Amanda Redman with music by Kevin McLeod and Justin Edwards. Email quiz at fingersonbuzzers.com and tweet at fingersbuzzers. Thanks for listening and don't forget to join us next time for more Fingers on Buzzers. 